Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. Today is episode 52 titled A Tree and Its Fruit. Today we'll cover quite a few different topics. It's kind of layered. We'll talk about what the tree is, what fruit is, the importance of speech, the heart, intentions, what we do treasure or what we should treasure, and of course certain aspects of justification. We're going to read scripture first and then we'll dive into what some early church fathers say because they're the subject matter experts before there were any breaks in the faith, right? So the first break in the faith was the Great Schism in 1054. So basically the first thousand years of Christianity from 33 AD Pentecost through the Seven Ecumenical Council. And you can pretty much put a cap on that. And if your church isn't doing that, it's just simply not a church. So... Let's dive in. We'll hit scripture first. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 through 37 says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good man out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil man out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, men will render account for every careless word they utter. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. In summary, Jesus is saying, aim your heart towards holiness, purify your heart and your intentions, perform good works, treasure goodness and holiness. You're going to be held accountable for your speech, and speech will affect your justification on judgment day. So... This is not an exhaustive list, but there's some other things that the Bible says will justify us. I'm going to mention eight things really quick just because we've hit the topic of justification. Number one is the grace of God. Number two, faith in Christ. Number three, obedience to the New Testament and the Ten Commandments. Works, so the actions we take based on faith. Number six, mercy towards others. Number seven, forgiveness towards others. And number eight, our speech. So people think it's like, Judgment Day is going to be a cakewalk. Well, I think Luke chapter 12, if I'm remembering correctly, talks about the obedient and disobedient servant. So let's not assume, and you can go read on that if you'd like. Let's just not assume Judgment Day is going to be a cakewalk. Or, you know, we're going to be held accountable. So let's repent. Let's get the old parts of us gone. Let's get the dead wood off and onward carrying our cross towards the kingdom of heaven. So now let's see what the church fathers say about the set of verses we covered. The following information was taken from a commentary on Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 by Augustine of Hippo, who was an early church father, a bishop, and theologian before any breaks in the Christian faith. This is what he says. A person cannot give excuse me, a person cannot be evil and perform good works. A person cannot be good and perform evil works. A person must be changed in order for his works to be changed. If a person remains in an evil state, they cannot do good works. If a person abides in what is good, they will not be found producing evil works. So that's pretty much cut and dry. That seems to be clear enough. I don't think it needs any further articulation. So let's just move on to the next one. Um, we'll see what some other church fathers say. The following information was taken from a commentary on Matthew chapter 12, verse 35, by Cyril of Alexandria, who was an early church bishop, a theolo and theologian before any breaks in the Christian faith. When Christ says treasure, he refers to the multitude of motives that lie in the soul. It is not by nature that people are good or bad, but by their own choice. Christ makes that clear in his remarks to the Pharisees. So, fantastic. 
um, articulation by Cyril of Alexandria. There are motives of the mind, motives of the heart, and motives of the soul. But he went straight to the deepest motives, the deeper ones, right at the core, the motives of the soul. So all three must be purified, of course. But we have to focus on our motivations and make sure our motivations are aimed at the right thing, which is holiness and goodness. If you're not aiming at holiness and goodness, then your, your intentions are just misguided. And even if the right outcome happens with the wrong motivation, it's still sin. So sin can manifest in the form of thought, word, deed, motivation, or outcome. So it's so easy to sin. It's so easy. So we also need to understand that our speech can indicate what's in the heart. Now, it's more complicated than this, of course, but one thing worth mentioning is just because someone hurts our feelings, it doesn't mean they're evil. And just because someone makes us feel good, doesn't mean they're good. Evil people can exploit through emotion, and good people may sometimes hurt our feelings when they are trying to tell us the truth. Now, I use the word good lightly because only God is good, but you get the point. An evil person can exploit you through positive emotion, and a good person in theory, can have a bad day and hurt your feelings when they're trying to tell the truth. It doesn't make the good person malevolent. It doesn't make the bad guy a good person. Right? And again, I use it loosely. Only God is good. You get the, you get the intent, though. So, it's you can't take what Jesus is saying out of context, oversimplify it, and then not test Christ's idea against ideas to make sure you understand what he's saying. Now, the reason... The truth can hurt us is at, t at times is because perhaps there's moments when people are running from the truth. Perhaps there are times when people are avoiding the truth and they're trying to remain as they are rather than running to the truth in Christ and strive to cleanse themselves of the illness of sin that needs healing. You know, this is just a some data I looked up. I was curious. I was like, I wonder how many people are genuinely psychopaths or like for certain malevolent in the world. So it's about 1% of the population is a psychopath or sociopath. So the chances are that the person that hurt your feelings wasn't trying to exploit you or intentionally hurt you. That's just not, the chances are so low. And the chances are that that person just didn't word things in a gentle way and they didn't know how to word it in a way that was softer or help you understand better. And perhaps they were having a terrible day. Perhaps they just had a terrible day. Perhaps they just got fired. Perhaps they got a pay cut. Perhaps their knee is hurting. Their back is hurting. They haven't slept good. And every the stars just line up and you get an attitude. It's not justifiable. We have to be humble and to persevere through the passions and frustrations of the flesh. But the chances are is they're not malevolent. They're probably just having a bad day. So that's why Jordan Peterson says, always assume stupidity before malevolence. And it's a brilliant idea. The following information was taken from a commentary on Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 by St. Jerome. He was an early church priest, theologian, and doctor of the church before any breaks in the faith. An idle word is what is spoken without benefit to the speaker or the listener. We overlook serious things and utter frivolous things. One who acts like a buffoon and makes mouths drop with boisterous laughter and who utters disgraceful things will be held accountable. So, this is what our aim should be. Every single thing that we think, speak, and do should be oriented towards holiness and love for God, not foolishness and pleasure. We should be intentional with our speech and we should take life seriously. 
Holiness and bringing our family to Christ should be the focal point. So everything that we do, man or woman, family, friend, it should be orienting themselves and others towards Christ. So how does how that happen? Well, men have two jobs. Number one, spiritual provisioning. And number two, material provisioning. Now, protection falls under the provisioning, right? So locks on the doors, health insurance, guns for family members to defend themselves. There's all all these things that fall under the category of protection. Security systems. You know, if you travel for work or whatever, there's there's things that you can do to protect your home. But all that falls under provisioning because it's something you're providing, right? So number one, spiritual provisioning, and number two, material provisioning. And women have two jobs, essentially. Number one, it's submitting to either their father before marriage or their husbands after marriage. And number two, it's homeworking. It's cooking, cleaning, and nurturing. And no, it's not to have your own career and establish your independence and buy your own home and compete with your husband for resource. It's like, no. No, no, no. Don't buy the secular world lies. Your job is to be a mother and a wife. Those are the most valuable careers. And the husband career simply financially provides to facilitate the most important career, which is the framework of children's mindsets through the mother and the father. So don't buy the world's lies. A woman's most important job is submitting to her husband and her father and homework and cooking, cleaning, and nurturing and raising children. There are no more important jobs than that. Okay, it's the core, it's the heart. The man's the head of the family, the wife is, or the husband's the head of the family, the wife's the heart, the heart of the family. Okay, just because a man has headship, it doesn't mean that the woman's role isn't unbelievably value unimportant. It is. So, all of those things should be the reason why we do all those things, why we raise children, we nurture them, we cook and we clean, and we provide for our families and put them in a home, shelter, clothing. Um, structure their minds in a healthy way. All of those things should be because we love Jesus. That's our motivation, right? We do things in the social world. We go to church on Sundays. We fast. We pray. We uphold the sacraments. We strive to be obedient to the news. All of those things facilitate that. And how that all gets accomplished is through speech. It's through speech, right? So, those things are the higher priorities. Leisure and entertainment are somewhat subordinate. They're supposed to be below that. So our primary aim, godliness, order, and holiness. And number two, below that, it can be you know, appropriate humor, appropriate entertainment, and appropriate leisure. But all of it's subordinate. And our speech should reflect that. right? Our speech should reflect the ethos that are guiding our life or the guiding principles in our life. And idle works and idle hands just simply don't produce Christian fruits. Holy works. They just don't. So we've got to focus on that. Last commentary. This is a commentary on Matthew chapter 12, verse 37 by John Chrysostom, who was an early church archbishop and theologian before any breaks in the Christian faith. The evil plotter destroys himself first, just as he who treads on fire burns himself. He who smites, spites himself, and he who kicks against the pricks, draws blood on himself. It is not those who know how to suffer wrong and bear it that are feeble. It is the wrongdoer that renders themselves feeble. And that's because of God's judgment, by the way. For instance, how great wrongs did David endure? How great wrongs did Saul commit? Which one was stronger and happier? Which one was more wretched and miserable? Let us flee from this sin and neither in word or deed do our neighbors wrong. It's not according to what others have done, 
but according to what you have spoken, in which God will pass his sentence. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. All these things let us consider. Let us flee from vices, let us choose virtue, that we may attain both unto good things that are present and unto good things that are to come, by the grace and love towards men of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think St. John Christum was clear enough. I think he crushed it. It's fantastic. Really, the early church father commentaries are phenomenal. But let's bring today to a close. Six short summaries. Number one, if we are to be Christians, we are to be the tree as an extension of the tree of life or a vine off of the true vine, right? Christ is the true vine and we are but branches. Number two, if we are a tree for Christ, let us bear good fruits. So let us not be a vine that doesn't produce any holy works or good works, right? Got to have good fruit. What good is a grapevine without any grapes? Seriously, it's just a weed. Number three, let us bring about goodness and holiness as often as we can. Number four, let us purify the motives in our hearts, minds, and souls. Number five, let us not speak carelessly, but intentionally. Final one, number six, our speech is one of those things that will justify us or condemn us on the day of judgment. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope everyone has a great day. Fight the good fight. God bless.